turn to the book of Revelation, chapter 12. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, we just ask that your word would speak. And I'm going to be reading Revelation, chapter 12, verse 12. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea. For the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knows that he has a short time. Now, when the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time from the presence of the serpent. So the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. But the earth helped the woman and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. And the dragon was enraged with the woman and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen, church. Amen. And good morning to all. It's tremendous, uh, as my wife just read about what's going on in Pakistan, just to let you know that this is like the book of Acts over there. You know, they, in one of the services there, they did a, the children did a drama. You know, we do dramas in church. And their drama was... We're all worshipping in church and then these armed men came in with machine guns and started firing everybody and they said, we must be faithful to Jesus. So at the moment, all their church, many of their churches are being graffitied. The, the, this demonic spirit has risen up again and uh, pastors are being beaten um, some Muslims are trying to come into the church and they pretend to be Christians and then they're just looking for the pastor to say one thing that is anti-Muslim and they take him to the police and they charge him with blasphemy. And this is happening big, big time over there. So, you know, um, and, and these, these people are so discriminated against. They are, it's really like the early church. It is really like the early church. The early church, you know, faced so many odds just to exist. And... Uh, you know, I just sometimes you wonder, maybe wonder where your giving goes. At the pastors' conference, I, I thought we got to help these people with some food because they're only eating one meal a day often over there. It's very, very difficult. But when I said to a lady, I said, "Should we send you an offering for food?" Two of the ladies said, "No, we don't need food. We want a school." And they were, they were in really emotional about how their children—they want their children to remain Christian, but. You know, the government's buying up all the Christian schools and they're turning them into... And, and we can't afford to send them to the remaining Christian schools because the Americans who are putting the price up. So, you know, <laughs> I, I thought we were going to start a school for 50 children. And on the first day, 215 turned up. But listen, for $12,000, I don't know how they do this. We bought shoes for them all. We bought bags for them all. We bought books for them all. We, we fitted out the school, and all we have to do is pay for teachers. And each teacher gets paid about 70 Australian dollars a month. So we're able to keep children in the kingdom of God. 
300 children hearing the gospel. And this guy, Pastor Hamad, I've met pastors in, over that he is the best pastor I've ever worked with. He is an absolute dynamo. He, man, he just knows what he's doing. He's a third generation Pentecostal pastor who knows his authority, the power of God. And he is serving God in the hardest, hardest place. And he's bringing these orphan kids in and he's raising them up to be Christian leaders. And he's, he's training them in this school that we've set up over there, the Bible school. And they're the ones he's sending out to plant new churches. And there's now 214 Elam Church Globals. And they're planting churches in areas where there's never been a church, as Michelle said. So it's a tremendous work. You know, often people think like, oh, Elam Church is a small church in West Gosford. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's not. We've got churches going, because that's what we're called to do. We're called to the nations. Now, Father, I thank you for your word. And I ask, Father, today that you'll speak in our hearts, that you'll give us revelation and understanding of the times, what is happening in our world. In Jesus' name. Uh, if, if you're, I don't normally like to speak on issues, but I feel to do that this week because this is, um, we need to understand what is happening in the world today to understand prophetically the times we live in. And, uh, you know, we've all been watching on the news and last Saturday there was a terrible attack in Israel and barbaric happenings, children being murdered and, and women being raped and all these sort of things. And, and uh, it's just so terrible. It's so awful, but it is not surprising. And, and the reason I say it's not surprising because ever since Israel came back into the land, May 14th, 1948, they were established back in the land of Israel, there have been nations and powers committed to their extermination. There's no, there is no pretending there, there is a, you know, we want a two-state solution, that what is desired is the final solution. The nations that have surrounded Israel have wanted to eliminate them, totally annihilate them. There's a, the, the aim is genocide. These groups like Hezbollah and, and Hamas have never wanted to negotiate. They want to exterminate Israel, and they want to totally annihilate them. And, um, and there's a number of myths we have to understand. Firstly is that the, the Israelis are on Palestinian land. The, 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 I know there are some people here who are mature and you understand this. Other people are very, very basic. So we've got to go back to some basics. That, um, you know, in, initially Israel was, Abraham was called to go from Ur to what we call now Israel, which was Canaan. And God gave... Canaan to Israel. It's the only nation and it's the only people group ever who have been given land by God. So all this stuff about, you know, particular groups own the land. Everyone is renting them. No one owns land except Israel because God gave it to them. Everyone else is just renting it. And we're all, we're all here. So the, but God gave Israel the land. And they were on that land for many, many years until Christ came and he prophesied that, they, that Israel would be sacked and Rome sacked it. And for, for, uh, for a season, for many, many hundreds of years, Israel was dispersed among the nations. There's not many Jews left in, in Palestine. They were, uh, 
you know, it's called the diaspora. They went into all Europe, they went into all the nations of the world, and, and they were out of the land for many, many years. And that created a great problem because the Bible has many prophecies about Israel in the land in the end times. And how is that going to happen if they're not in the land? Well, one of the greatest miracles ever happened was in um, 1948 that what the Bible prophesied in Ezekiel and um, Isaiah 66 verse 8 says, uh, Would a nation be born in a day? Well, Israel was born in a day. And uh, Ezekiel 36 says, For I will take you from among the nations, gather you out of all the countries, and bring you back into your own land. That happened in May 1948. And, uh, and um, they came back into the land. And in between those times, the diaspora and Israel coming back to their land, Palestine was occupied by many groups. There was Bedouin Arabs living there, but they lived there with Christians and they lived there with Jews. There were still some Jews there and they actually lived relatively harmoniously. But it was not a Palestinian land that Israel took. It never has been. That's a lie which needs to be exposed. And, and when Israel came back, what is extraordinary, the Bible promised that, that the land of Israel would bloom. Now, it's in the desert. If you go to Jordan, Jordan is still a desert. Same block of dirt, but Israel is green. It's incredible. They've made the desert bloom because the Bible said that this would happen. And they had to come back because all these prophecies, and it's the clearest sign that we are in the end times, is the reestablishment of Israel in the land. It was completely miraculous. It's never happened to any other nation, but it happened to Israel because the Word of God said it must happen. And, uh, and this nation has always desired to live peacefully. It desires to live peacefully, but it has been uh, surrounded by nations that are simply determined to drive them into the sea. And that has been stated. Iran actually states clearly that they, they exist to destroy Israel and want to drive them into the sea. They fought two wars, 1967 and then the Yom Kippur War. And clearly God fought for this little nation and supernaturally they overcame the odds. But the, 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 the question is, why does no other nation experience the hatred that Israel experiences? Why is there no other nation in the world that is surrounded by other nations just determined to, to destroy them? Why is no other nation seeking to live peacefully but other play people want to destroy them? Why is that? Why is no one hated like the Jews? No nation is hated like the Jewish nation. And why does this people called Hamas that we've just been reading about want to commit genocide against the Jews? Because that's what it is. It's not terrorism, it's genocide. And to understand this, you, you can't get on the internet and read about all these conspiracy theories, it's because the Jews take all the money, blah, blah, blah. To understand it, you must understand it spiritually. And to understand it spiritually, you must go back to the beginning of the Bible in Genesis chapter 3, where after the fall, after the fall, God said in Genesis 3:15, one of the consequences, because Satan took all humanity down, and because of what he did in the garden, 
God said, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And that is speaking about uh, the seed of the woman is Israel. And out of that seed, out of that woman would come he who would bruise or crush the head of the serpent. And, and see, this is what, what, what happens, is that what, what Satan knows is that ever since Genesis 3.15, <clears throat> Israel has had a, a, a destiny that out of them, out of Israel, would be produced the Messiah who would crush Satan's head. And because of that, because Satan knows this, he knows that, that uh, the, 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 the Messiah is coming out of Israel, that he has always been absolutely enraged against Israel. And Satan himself moves through these people. It's not personal. It is not, it is not political. It is spiritual. He is moving through Hamas again to pour out his hatred and his desire to totally destroy them because of what? their destiny is in his destruction and this spirit this spirit is not new this spirit it's really interesting Hamas Hamas it's only one letter different between Haman who existed many years ago and had the same spirit Pharaoh had the same spirit when Moses was born he wanted to eliminate all the Jewish boys Herod had the same spirit. When Christ was born, he tried to eliminate all the... T it's, and these are horrendous things. This is the same thing. It's horrendous. You imagine murdering two-year-old children. It's, it's, it's awful, and it's a spirit of genocide, but it was in Pharaoh. It was in, it was in Herod. And you can see it clearly in the book of Esther with this ch character called Haman. Haman, Hamas, one-letter difference, but because of the same spirit. And Haman was... Uh, a character in the book of Esther who was, who was uh, second to the king and he w had this conflict with this Jew called Mordecai. And in chapter 3, verse 4, it said, Mordecai told them that he was a Jew. When Haman saw that Mordecai did not bow or pay homage to him, Haman was filled with wrath. That means murderous rage. And he disdained to lay, but he disdained to lay hands on Mordecai alone, for they told him of the people of Mordecai. Instead, Haman sought to destroy all the Jews who were throughout the kingdom of Asherus, the people of Mordecai. So this guy, Haman, he has a conflict with one Jew. And illogically, he decides that he is going to not destroy that one Jew. He's going to destroy the entire nation of Jewish people. Why? Because he has that demonically inspired spirit in him, which is in the people of Hamas. To exterminate the nation which will produce the Messiah, which will crush Satan's head. That's what this is all about. And, and today, that satanic spirit that was in Pharaoh, that was in Herod, that was in Haman, that was in Adolf Hitler, that was in Stalin, that's been in many people throughout history, is at work in the world and it's in work in these people called Hamas. And there is no interest in peace. It's a charade. All those that group wants is to exterminate and destroy the nation of Israel.
And I said Israel has been out of the land. And they're out of the land because they rejected the Messiah. When, Jesus, when God sent Messiah to them. But it also says there will come a time where Israel's rejection will not be final. But they will look upon the one who they have pierced. And they will mourn for him. And many will come in. The kingdom of God. But the passage my wife read today, why it's important is that when the dragon saw that he'd been cast to the earth, this is Satan, he persecuted the woman. Who's the woman? Who's the woman who gave birth to the male child? This is Israel. And so Satan, because the Messiah is coming through the woman, uh, persecutes and, and has always persecuted the woman. That's how you understand what is going on with Israel. And Christians who oppose post-Palestinians simply don't listen to the Holy Spirit. Uh, I'm just, just saying that's a fact. It's a, it's a carnal, it's a fleshly response. It's a political response. But a spiritual response is to understand Satan's antagonism and his hatred and his wrath towards Israel because Israel is producing the Messiah. And that's why we've got to love the people of Israel. Because Israel birthed the Messiah. Israel birthed the apostles. Israel provided for us the word of God. Every Christian's got to love the nation of Israel. And we are grafted into believing Israel. That's the Christian position. But this, this woman produces the male child who is going to crush the head of Satan eternally. And that's what's happening. Now, what, what I want to preach about this morning, though, is we read this passage and we come to verse 17. This is what's significant. Because what Israel's doing with, dealing with, they are dealing with satanic, satanically inspired opposition. And, and the Bible says at the start of this passage that, that um, woe to the inhabitants of the devil has come down to you having great wrath. He has great wrath against Israel, and he knows his time is short. Ever since Christ came, he knows his time is short, and he has great wrath, and he is pouring out this wrath against these people. He's trying to destroy this nation. But listen, verse 17, And the dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So who is verse 17 speaking about? This is speaking about he not only makes war with Israel, but he makes war with both the Jew and the Gentile. And what I'm saying is the same hatred and the same persecution that is happening with Israel today is coming to the church. It is coming to the people of God. And, uh, and Satan knows his time is short. And, um, and he is enraged not only with the woman but he comes to make war with the rest of her offspring. And so I believe Christians are going to experience before too long the same hatred, the same persecution. And, uh, but listen, like Israel, Israel has up until now and will continue, they have overcome the enemy every time. Because of God's great grace, Israel, not because of politics, because God and his promises, 
And the Bible says, but by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their tr- 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 and the word of their testimony, not loving their lives till the end, we will overcome as well. We will overcome. But because it, it this be. Because this is not just an Israel issue, in the end times, it's coming to the church as well. What is important is for you and I, this is not a political issue. What I'm trying to say today is this is a spiritual issue. This is a spiritual issue for Israel, and it's a spiritual issue for the church. Satan is enraged. He knows his time is short. And he is coming and the level of spiritual warfare is increasing and he wants to destroy not only Israel, he wants to destroy Christians. So what should the response of Christians be? Get on CNN, join all these marches, get a flag and wave it around. I'll tell you what the Bible says. Finally, my brother, this is Ephesians 6, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having all done all to stand. Now, I've Look at that place. Having put on the armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day. Not every day is the evil day. Because like this attack from Hamas, it's strategic. They wait, they wait, and they wait until Israel is vulnerable. And then they attack on a certain day. Satan like that is like that against you. He studies you and he knows when you're vulnerable. And he attacks you on the evil day. And the only way you can stand against these spiritual attacks that are getting stronger against your mind, because that's where the enemy attacking, he's firing darts against your mind. He's speaking to you about your past. He's trying to steal your faith. He's trying to lie about what the future holds for you, that God will not be faithful to. He's attacking the mind of Christians today. And some of them are thinking, how are we going to survive in the future? How are we going to survive economically? All these things, the enemy is attacking the mind of Christians today like never before. He's trying to destroy you through your mind. But, you know, I read somewhere this week, I listened to it online. Someone said, Israel has this thing. When the missiles come over the, the wall, they got this thing, it's the, I think Americans built it, it's called the Iron Dome. And it's like a, you know, a special military thing that's able to knock out the missiles. And it forms like a shield over Tel Aviv. And you and I have an Iron Dome, it's called the Shield of Faith. And we have the helmet of salvation. And when the lies and when the attacks of the enemy come, it's no use getting onto the news. It's no use picking up the phone. It's no use looking for political things. You must pick up the word of God. And you must lift up your shield of faith. And when Satan says to you, because of your past, you're disqualified. You say, no, my past is under the blood. Nobody sees my past because it's covered by the blood. And when he speaks about your future... You tell him about his future, that his future is going in the lake of fire. That's how you lift up your shield of faith and put on your helmet of salvation. And Christians must understand that today. 
They must understand that this is not a political issue. It's not a, an issue that is related just to Israel. This is spiritual warfare. In the end times, it's intensifying, and Christians must understand this is not against flesh and blood and know what their weapons they have been given are and how to use them. So that's... That's what the issue is. Now, some people ask the question, and I don't, I don't really want to go here, but I will. Some people ask the question, like uh, I've had a few people this week say to me, Pastor, is this the, you know, the Bible speaks about in Ezekiel 38, uh, an end time war, which will happen, in my guess, either just before or just after the rapture, where nations come against Israel. And uh, we know it's called the war of Gog and Magog, and it's found in Ezekiel 38. And you see in this war, um, it's an end times war. And a number of nations in verse 5, it speaks about Persia, Ethiopia, and Libya. Uh, with uh, other nations called Meshesh and Tubath, Tubal, Gog and Magog. And, and they come against all these nations align. And it's a coalition of nations. Verse 12 says that... Um, uh, people gathered from many nations uh, come against Israel. And they, they come against Israel with the, with the expressed desire to destroy Israel. And, and it says also that in this time, all other nations that have stood with Israel will abandon Israel. So something will happen and all the other nations will abandon. And Israel will be left to defend itself on its own against a great coalition. The Bible is very clear on that. And, but what's really interesting is that uh, it actually says, they'll come from the far north, but it will be in the latter days that I will bring them against my land. So God puts a hook in these nations' nose. And God is behind them, and he's bringing them in to fight against Israel. And, and it says in the middle of that fight, uh, in chapter 38, verse 20, it says there'll be a massive great earthquake, just as these people invade the land, a great earthquake in the land of Israel. And God will show his fury in his face against these nations. And he'll call for a sword against Gog and Magog. And God himself will fight for Israel. And he will fight for Israel. And his victory will be so astounding that they'll spend seven months burying the bodies. But the result of it is the nations will know that God is God and he will get glory. That's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible says. Now... Some people are actually saying, well, this is that. Well, this is not that. Because, because the, the Israel is now fighting against a terrorist group called Hamas. They're not fighting against nations. They're fighting against, you know, one group. But this is what I believe with all my heart. And, and I believe that, that we've got to understand we're on the political. At the moment, this is not that. But things are happening in our world, and we've got to be watchful. They've never happened before. Nations like Israel, uh, sorry, nations like Russia, have been training these terrorist groups. And for the first time ever, nations like Israel, sorry, Russia, 
are forming alliances with nations like Iran. So these alliances have never existed before, but they're actually coming into place now. And Turkey has actually just come out with a statement against Israel. And so you can see these alliances forming. And, and I don't believe what's happening now is the Gog and Magog, but I believe, I fully believe that this thing with Hamas is leading to that. It's actually leading, and we're actually on the way to that. I believe that with all my heart. Now, I may be wrong, but that's just what I believe God's showing me, that we're in a time where this is just beginning, and it's going to lead to that. It's not going to just, like, it's not, these wars are not just going to fade away. And, um, and people are aligning, and this, this Bible says that most people believe, uh, you know, Gog and Magog is Russia and Iran aligning, and there's Libya there. Russia is in Libya already training the military, and... Um, and what I believe is that this just all indicates that, you know, when Jesus spoke about the end, he spoke about, the, in Matthew 24, you'll know the end is coming. There'll be pestilences. We've had COVID. Wars and rumors of wars. Wars and rumors of wars. And then it speaks about this great battle. And I believe that uh, Jesus said all these things happening are birth pains. And he said these things are labor pains and there'll be earthquakes various places that will be up to tribulation and kill you be hated by all nations for my sake he said but he induced to then shall be saved and the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations then the end will come so i also believe that as these end time uh, events start to happen. We start to recognize what's going on, where we are on the prophetic clock. I also believe we're going to see, like we're doing in Pakistan, a move through the nations where the gospel is preached like never before. Like never before. And, and I really believe that that's where we, we kind of stand. So the, the question is, um, okay, here we are. The enemy is enraged. Uh, the enemy is stirred up against Israel. He's going through a mass and he's going to be stirred up against the church. And this is what's coming. This is what's coming. What do we do? What's the response of the Christian? Here it is. Firstly, it's spiritual. It's not political. It is spiritual war. You and I have to know what our weapons are. We have to put on the armor of God every day because we're not battling against flesh and blood. We are battling against Satan and all these demons who are determined. His wrath is great. He is, no, his, his time is so short now and he's intensifying warfare and you and I need to know our authority. We need to know what the word of God says. We need to know how to shout it in the devil's face. You need to put on your helmet of salvation every day and stand and stand and stand until you overcome. Because we are overcomers. In every battle we go through, we are overcomers. That's what we've got to know. The Bible also says in Luke chapter 21, 28, when you see all these things happening, lift up your head. Because your redemption draws near. So it says, don't freak out, but look up. You know, as you see all this happening, look up. And I love Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter, first three chapters is about the churches. But Revelation chapter 4 is, this is the, the tribulation is about to begin. And the doors, to, the doors to heaven, the window to heaven opens, and John looks up. And what does he see? 
when he looks up, he sees a throne. Before the tribulation begins, God wants him to know that he is on the throne, that all this is prophesied, that he's in control of everything. Nothing's taking God by surprise. You need to look up and be at rest because God is on the throne and he's sovereign over it all. So you need to put on your weapons. You need to look up. And I believe the next great thing that's going to the next great prophetic event's going to happen is the rapture of the church. That's why I believe we need to be looking up. Some disagree with that. That's what I believe. But thirdly, the last thing we need to do is, as Jesus says, when all this is happening, the gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all the world as a witness to the nations. Then the end will come. We must continue to take the gospel. Nations means people group. You know, take it out. You know, Gordon's got a team. They take the gospel out. You just take the gospel out. Wherever you are at work, take the gospel out. And we're taking the gospel to the nations because that's what the Word of God says. And I believe in this season, we are going to see, like we're seeing in Pakistan, there's another level we're experiencing. We've been to Pakistan many times, but God's now operating at another level. It's like over there, someone said, a Holy Ghost bomb was dropped on Israel. And, you know, the, just to let you know, Michelle just told a, a, a small portion of it, but something so affected me over there. And I've been there many times. And I know the hearts of the Muslims. They're not all bad people, but they're not warm towards the gospel. They're trained not to be warmed. But on the last night of the crusade, I preached this message. And uh, it was subtle, but it was offensive. And I preached on the resurrection. And what I said was that, you know, when God wanted to demonstrate who really spoke f for him, uh, people were saying uh, God, God had appointed Aaron as his spokesman. And Aaron had a staff. But other people came up and said, We're, we, are, we, we, know, we hear from God. We're just as much a spokesman as Aaron. So God says, okay, get everyone who says they speak for God to put their staffs in the tabernacle and go away and come back in the morning. When they came back in the morning, Aaron's staff had budded, had grown almonds. So it had experienced resurrection. And my point was that if you want to know who really speaks from God, God has established it through resurrection. And I said, Buddha is in the grave and all the Hindu gods are in the grave. They don't speak for the one true God, but Jesus does because he's resurrected. His experience, resurrection settles the issue. And I didn't name Muhammad, but I went this close. And even as I preached, I thought, I may have stepped over a line here. And Michelle will tell you, when I was finishing, the, the message was so powerful. Just as I got to my appeal, a fight broke out. I've never seen a fight broke out at a religious meeting. But a, a fist fight broke out at the back and I had to stop it. But that was Satan. Like he didn't know what like, was going on. However, um, when I finished the message about resurrection and how resurrection settles the issue about who really is from heaven, and it's Jesus, is that this, one of the army guys, he had a Russian F2 machine gun. And as, he, as I came off the platform, he came towards me and he lifted it up. And I thought, oh, I've really gone too far. I really did. I thought, oh, this is really bad. And when he came towards me, he dropped it again. And he came to me and he said, this is the best preaching I've heard. He said, I'm so emotional. I've been here for two nights. He said, both nights, I'm so emotional. And he said, I, I, I feel God here. I feel God in my heart. And he said, I'm Muslim. 
and, and he just didn't, didn't understand it. And then about four of his mates gathered around and hugged me. And they said, this is the greatest meetings. These are the greatest meetings. Two days before, they were screaming at me, don't loiter around the hotel, get inside. These same guys were hostile. But God is moving at such a level in the nations now. It's really quite extraordinary. And, um, and, and I, I just know there's a great harvest coming. So uh, I'm a little tired today, a little jaded. But it's really what I want to say is that this is, we are in the birth pains. These are the ends of the end days. And, uh, and this is not surprising. I believe this is going to escalate. And it's going to lead to other things. And I don't want it to escalate, but I just believe that's where we are on the prophetic clock. And we need to understand it spiritually. This is Satan. Always come against Israel because Israel produces a Messiah who crushes his head. And, and in the end times, it says he's not going to just war against Israel. He's going to war against the Jew and the Gentile. And we have to understand, it's not political, it is spiritual. We love our enemies, but we understand spiritually what is working through them. What is working through them? That is knowledge, so that we actually pray and use the authority God's given us. And, uh, and overcome. That's what we are. We are overcomers through Jesus Christ. Through the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony, not loving our lives unto death, we'll overcome every assault and every battle. Like, just like the people of Israel will continue to overcome because they have been chosen by God. And in the end, there will be a move where they will look upon the one whom they have pierced and they will mourn and many will come into the kingdom of God. So keep your weapons on. Keep the helmet of salvation on. Keep lifting up your shield of faith against every fiery dart that comes from Satan. Every lie. Because he attacks your mind. Lift up your head and you will see constantly that this is not a surprise to God. It's all been prophesied. He is on the throne. He's in control of everything that's happening in the world. He's in control of it all. And keep preaching that gospel. Amen. Let me pray. Father God, I thank you that you are sovereign, that you are mightily in control of all things, that nothing takes you by surprise. It's all been prophesied, Lord. And Father, what you are concerned about is that we know this is not natural. This is spiritual warfare, that our battle is not against flesh and blood. Not against people groups, but it's against the principalities and the powers that are behind them. And I thank you that through Christ we have overcome the evil one. That we have the authority to win every battle. And Father God, that your gospel is being preached and will be preached in this season like never before. Father, we thank you what you did in the nation of Pakistan. We thank you for the thousands that are coming in thousands and thousands that you're bringing to yourself. And Father God, we do pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We pray for the nation of Israel. That Father God, that not only, Father, will they overcome every attempt to annihilate them, but their eyes shall be open, even in this season, Lord, 
Their eyes shall be open and they shall look upon the one they pierced. And they shall understand where they've gone wrong. And there shall be a godly mourning. And there shall be a revival in that nation as they see that your son is the way, the truth, and the life. We pray all that in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen.